You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey guys, David Terrio here, and I am excited about today's podcast. Today, you'll get to hear from a man who's done some pretty amazing things. Yes, he's crossed Death Valley 29 times and is setting up for his 30th time in 30 years this year to run 146 miles across Death Valley. Yeah, he's done the, the seven summits, all the highest points on all of the continents, including Mount Everest. He's run across the United States, running more than 3,000 miles from San Francisco to New York City. Um, he wrote a book called Running on Empty that I commend to you about, about his life and about his journey across um, the United States of America. There was uh, even a documentary of, of him uh, running it called Running America that's really good. Um, he now in his late 60s, he's got a book that's that's out on Amazon and I believe it'll come out on audio really soon. Uh called Both Feet on the Ground, um, just talking about disconnecting to reconnect. Yeah, I like that. Uh, ultra running legend, Marshall Ulrich. <laughs> Check it out, guys. We're recording. I think. Hang on. Let me make sure these numbers are uh, ticking up. You know technology, man. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Great when it works, right? Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, today on the Run the Riot podcast, I am pretty excited. Uh, As I introed earlier, getting to talk with uh, uh, a man who has done a whole lot in our sport, uh, Marshall Ulrich. Marshall, glad to have you, man. Well, um, thanks for having me on the show, David. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Well, I, like I said uh, before we I started recording, man, there I have a, a lot of questions, and uh, you've got a lot of experience that you can share with uh, with our listeners. And um, man, so I guess where to start? I mean, I, I read your book, and 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 you and I met really briefly. Um, I believe it was uh, in 2018. Uh, I was doing some training for Tahoe 200, and I did the the um, uh, last call 50 miler. And um, I was kind of uh, sitting there waiting for things to start at midnight. And um, somebody said, "Hey, can I sit here?" And and it was you. And so I <laughs> I got just like, "Oh, it's it's March Ulrich. Hey, you know." And um, you know, we you and I chit chatted a little bit, and. Uh, <clears throat> And I probably should have taken a we should have taken a selfie with you so we could you know I can have something to post on the web page for the for the podcast. But um, but anyway, at that time you were you were training for uh, jumping in the bad water again. That was pretty cool to see you jumping in to do do that again. Uh, a race that you have been known for um, a whole lot. <laughs> so yeah, bad water. I have uh, I started doing that back in 1990, mm-hmm. and um. I've actually completed the race 20 times, and this year it's kind of cool because um, I won't be doing the race because so oh, there was a little snafu with uh, you know qualification and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, the race director he said, "Oh, you know, I want you guys to be able to 
run a hundred miler before you come out and do bad water. And I just kind of said, you know what, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so anyhow, um, I, um, you know, basically said that, uh, you know, I'm not going to do that, but however, I will be out there because, um, of course it's uh, 2020 and I started doing it in 1990 and every year since then I've done at least one crossing. So I'm at 29 crossings and this will be 30 crossings for me and uh, one way or another there's circumnavigations i've done reverses i've done um south to north and you know various ways so um you know this would be my 30th and it's it's kind of you know big celebration for me that that's a, that's, that's pretty amazing what is it about badwater that just keeps keeps drawing you back you know i think um it's just the solitude out there uh the, the beauty of the desert and of course, there's oppressive heat and stuff. So, uh, you know, I don't always enjoy that. <laughs> and sometimes I curse it. But, you know, it's it's just very calm and quiet. And it helps me connect with uh, myself, connect with nature. And then there are a whole lot of people that have been coming back over the years. And so it has a lot to do with the people that I'm very familiar with out there and who pride themselves in doing it every year. Plus, you know, the people who come out there for the first time to do it. So it's a lot about the people too. So before you did Badwater, you had, um, I mean, of course I looked at your, your ultra sign up and that just tells a small part of, of the story of all that you've, you know, you've, you've done all the races that you've done, but, um, I, I noticed you, you've got a whole bunch of bad water. You've got Western states. Your first time that you went into bad water, what, what, I mean, uh, how many races had you done before that roughly? I mean, how experienced were you before you jumped into bad water? You had been racing quite a bit before that, right? Yeah, I had. And I guess, um, you know, I started doing ultras back in 1986. So I would say I'd probably done 20 or 30. I don't know, gotcha. something like that. Yeah. I'd done Leadville, Western States. Uh, and in 1989, which was the year before, at that time, believe it or not, there were only six 100-mile trail runs. Um, and so uh, before that, uh, there were a couple of guys that had done five. And there was a brand new one, which was the Vermont 100. So that made six. And so there were a couple of us, uh, Gordon Hardman, who is one of the founders of Hard Rock, and myself went out and um, attempted and were successful in doing all six 100 milers, which, you know, those were about three weeks apart. So, yeah, one of, one of my goals was back then that was kind of, you know, a little bit unheard of, you know, to do a hundred miler was pretty cool. If you did two or three a year, that was great. But, uh, you know, having done those in rapid succession, I wanted to sort of clue people in that we could do way more than we think we can and the body can recover uh, from 100 milers. And, you know, people are really pushing the envelope now. You know, it's like 200 milers are the new thing instead of just 100 milers. But, you know, we started doing that sort of thing way back, uh, you know, in 1990 and even before uh, there were some of us who were doing you know, a little bit longer races. So what was, what, what was the first hundred miler that you, you ended up doing? What, what was your first one? 
Okay, so I think the first one that I did, and it actually wasn't a 100-miler, it was a 24-hour, and it was in Buffalo, New York, and I thought, you know, I want to go out and just see if I can do 100-miler miles, and so what I did is something like 122 miles and won the race, and, you know, I was just trying to feel my way through, you know, how to you know, keep myself uh, buoyed up with uh, nutrition and uh, just kind of figure that whole sport out. And then the next one that I did, and it was about three or four months later, was actually Western States. And that was back, I think, in 88, something like that. Wow. So So we have the benefit now, you know, when we when I got into the sport, um, and, and started doing hundred miles, you know, there, there's even in my, my first was 2013 and I could get online and talk to a few other people who had, you know, had kind of figured it out, figured it out. Nobody's got it completely figured out, but I could get some right. wisdom from, uh, from other people. I mean, how, how was it, you know, d- you know, you jumping into this, doing this and figuring it out and, and how did your body, I don't know, how'd your body react and, and what kind of like, I'm sure you, the changes evolved over the years, but uh, what were some of the first things that you discovered that, you know, you were doing wrong or how did you go into it? You know, there weren't all the packs we have now and the electrolytes and all that stuff, you know, um, you, you know, how was that experience? Yeah. So uh, doing the hundred miler, you know, take for instance, Western States, um, you know, I did pretty well with that. I think I I at least finished in the top 20 or 30, just, you know, going right out of the gate, uh, my first 100 miler. But one thing I noticed is they didn't have simple things. Of course, they had like Gatorade and stuff like that. But at the aid stations, you know, if they just have something like a simple sugar, like Coca-Cola or some sort of a drink that, you know, they have now, they've got a lot of variety. And the other thing that they really didn't have that I really picked up on, particularly when I started doing bad water, was they didn't have salt. And so, you know, people, um, you know, there were electrolytes out there, but people really didn't understand a lot of how that uh, would help you during the ultras. So um, and particularly, as I was saying, at bad water, I discovered that, uh, you know, to help with cramping and other things. Uh, that you needed uh, water so you could, or water plus, you know, the salt so you could uh, keep yourself hydrated more effectively instead of just spilling it all out. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so you, you know, you're doing these others and you jump into bad water. Um, I may say jump in, you go, you go into bad water. And how different was that from the other races you had been doing when you, when you did bad water? Well, you know, I, I kind of, I started doing a little bit longer races, like I ran across the state of Ohio, which was 256 miles. And that was, um, I think that was 1988, 1989. I ran, was running across Colorado. So I was doing longer runs. And so I felt pretty comfortable with um, the distance that Badwater was. And the other thing, I looked at it and I, I saw that the times were somewhere around 40 hours for doing that race. And I was thinking to myself, man, you know, I'm not the fastest guy in the world, but I think that, you know, I could go out and probably, you know, do something at least that good, if not better. So um, I didn't go into it entirely cold, ex- excuse the pun, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's, you know, a hot, hot weather race, of, of <laughs> course. But, uh, you know, I felt 
fairly comfortable and, you know, I'd gotten the sauna and done some heat training and things like that. Um, I don't consider myself being able to deal with heat, but I think if you incorporate that in your training as well as, you know, a good um, hydration regimen and train your body to basically do well in the heat that, uh, you know, it's very doable for, for virtually anybody, I think. Yeah, I, I've I've had a few friends who um like this last year was their first first year doing bad water and and you know they're it was a whole new animal for them you know and these are experienced runners and um there's a few of them going back this year and you know kind of like with anything once you you do it you learn so much and and uh, you know they're going back in a little bit wiser and um, um so. For for somebody, I mean, I don't know. For somebody who who who's I've never done it. I don't know if I ever do bad water. I have other other races I'm doing, but like for for those friends and stuff that are doing, what's the main? What's the biggest advice you would give them? You know, what's the biggest thing you've learned over the years crossing the desert? <laughs> well, and it is interesting because every time I cross, just as you were saying, I learn something new about myself, about how to fuel myself, about you know, some of my needs as well as aging, you know, I'm not able to deal with some things as well as I did before, but it's always a learning experience. And, you know, there's been a couple of times that I've run, you know, pretty good bad waters, uh, you know, around the 26 hour or whatever. Um, And I've never quite got it completely right. I, I, you know, there's always (laughs) been some glitch that happens out there. Uh, so I've never had that perfect bad water race, and I don't know if anybody really has a perfect bad water race. Um, but I would say for people who are going out there for the first time, of course, you know, you have to have qualifying 100s to do it now, like three of them. So you're going to have a fair amount of experience. And I think the main thing is, is the heat, just training your body, you know, to run in the heat. So, you know, do your homework as far as that's concerned. And the second thing is, man, make sure that you've got a good crew out there because they will absolutely, uh, they can make you or break you. And, uh, you know, a lot of my success isn't because, you know, I'm a great runner or anything like that. It's because I had a good crew and they take care of me and pay attention to what's happening. Sometimes I don't even know that I'm crashing, but they can pick up on it. So, you know, that's the big thing. Get, uh, you know, at least somebody who has had some experience out there, preferably two or three years, um, you know, of, of having crewed that or even run it. Uh, and then, you know, if you have some rookie crew members, just make sure that they're good and solid and that they all get along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because if you have conflict with your crew, I mean, you're going to have a bad run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so when, when, when you're planning on running Badwater, like, right, I mean, right now you're planning on, um, on, on running across, like I said, like you said, not officially, but what kind of, uh, what kind of training did you put in, um, you know, when you were preparing for, for a, a run across Badwater? Yeah, for, for now, you know, I'll kick my mileage up to maybe 40, 60 miles, uh, per week. Uh, but back then when I was running competitively and actually winning the race and so on, I'd usually run right around 105 to 110 miles a week of just training. And then I'd use, uh, some of the other like Western States, I'd actually use that as kind of a training run for Badwater, even though it was in close proximity. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, I do maybe a 50 miler, you know, two months out, three months out, something like that. But I think it has to do with with mileage. And back then I was putting in a lot of junk mileage. And I think the training has gotten more sophisticated now where, you know, you have a lot more quality type training and they've got to narrow down where, you know, we didn't used to take a rest day that it's, you know, beneficial to actually do that. (laughs) And so, you know, we were just kind of beating our head against the ground. But, um, you know, I think with the training now, it's become more sophisticated uh, where you have a little bit of speed work. uh, You know, you're running hills, you're running pavement, um, which, you know, bad water is all pavement unless you go to the top and then the last 11 miles are trail. So, um, you know, it's mostly... It, it's entirely a pavement race, so you better, you know, like to run on asphalt. So as with any race, what you have to do is try and duplicate uh, the environment, the climate, uh, the terrain as closely as you can, uh, whether it's hilly. You know, if it's a lot of hills, you should be training a lot of hills and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, there's no it's not rocket science. You yeah, know, it's yeah. just sort of logic. Yeah. And put putting in the putting in the work, getting ready and and, and then executing, doing it. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And the other thing, too, is, you know, you better make sure that you're committed, uh, you know, as with any hundred miler. Uh, what I tell people, the first thing that you have to have is, you know, the desire to do it, to go out there and do the race. If you're not committed to it, then, you know, you're you've got uh, slimmer chances of finishing. Yeah, when those lows hit, if you're if you don't have that deep down the desire to keep moving on, it's easy to just I'm done. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so I mean, you done? How, and I didn't I didn't notice. Do you know how many times you've done Western states? I think I did it five times. It was okay. it was kind of interesting. I started, I think it was '88, and I got in five years consecutively. And then the sixth year I didn't get in, I never went back. But okay. <laughs> anyhow, it was just kind of quirky that I was able to get in five years in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, did, what did you think about Western States? I got to run it uh, last year for the first time. And um, and so compared to some of the other other places that you ran, what, what were your, your thoughts on that course? Yeah, I think Western States, as far as a trail run is concerned, is is you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's the gold standard, but everybody looked at one time to Western States as kind of the one to run. And Mm -hmm. I would say that still kind of holds true. It, uh, it kind of fits in that niche where, you know, you've got Leadville that's a little bit harder, Angeles Crest is harder, Hard Rock is harder, but then you've got like Vermont that's easier. Uh, There used to be Old Dominion, some of the others, Rocky Raccoon, those are a little bit easier. So it's kind of, you know, right in between. Plus, you know, it gives you a great taste of, you know, the mountains. The scenery is just fantastic. Um, you know, it's a point to point, which is nice. Whereas Lindville mm-hmm. is an out and back, which I enjoy, too. It's right in my backyard. So, uh, you know, Western States is definitely one of the ones that I think, you know, a person should aspire to do. Um it was interesting because at the time when I first started doing Badwater, that was just kind of a quirky race, and it wasn't so much on people's radar. But now, 
it's become sort of the race to get into as well as Western states. And one of the other um, ultra marathons that I consider, you know, a must do if people can afford to do it and go overseas is Comrades. I mean, it's iconic and it's been going on for years and years in the history. I always look at the history of a race, too. Um, and you've got some quality folks that were running that race, you know, decades and decades ago. So, uh, you know, that's a good one, too. Well, well so you're you're um, I mean, you're you're known for bad water and we're going to talk about some other other things that you're known for. But all of the the, the hundreds that do you think that like bad water is I mean, I, I guess your your favorite um, race or your favorite challenge or um, do you think that's just or just kind of it always just drew you back. Yeah, it seemed to draw me back. And, you know, the other thing was, too, is I had a friend. His name was Scott Weber, and some people may recognize the name from way back. Uh, I don't know if he still does coaching and stuff like that. But, you know, I went out to Badwater and started winning a couple of years. And, and he he said, you know, you sort of – and this is before branding was popular. You, people didn't even – that na- that that word wasn't even – uh, invented at the time, but he sort of alluded to that. He said, make this like your go-to race mm-hmm. and, uh, make it part of your identity or branding, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so I, I listened to him and I thought, you know, I kind of like coming out here. I like the people out here and it's, it's like a magnet, you know, it draws me back. And so, um, and it was, I liked it because it dealt with, extreme temperatures if you go to the top of mount whitney if you start at badwater go to the top of mount whitney you know a lot of times you're bumping on up on almost a hundred degrees difference in temperature that's plus then you have the road uh and so it's a road race and if you go to the top uh then you're on trail so it's a road in a trail race plus for most people and you know that includes me you know having Going to the top, I th- I think, uh, I believe, well, I know I still have the record. It's just under 34 hours from Badwater to the top of Mount Whitney. Um, you have to deal with uh, a multi-day type situation where you deal with sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. So I always felt it was a little bit different, a little bit, you know, beyond like the traditional 100 miler. Now, that, that's not to say that it's better or worse or anything like that it's just different and right. it appealed right. to me f- because of those reasons right if well if Badwater didn't exist what what other race do you think would have been your your to use that word your branded race which one would you would you have gone back to often well i did you know i've done leadville say 13 times that's true so yeah and that's in my backyard and i i think of the hundred milers the trail races I, I enjoy Leadville the much uh, the most just because it's you know in my backyard and I like the altitude and it's in Colorado so you know I like that a lot too but that's not to say that I would do that um, specifically I don't know if I would necessarily have a go-to race yeah. I, I I think more than anything I like I like to mix it up a lot I like different disciplines uh, you know of course you probably know that I've done some of these eco challenge, you know, adventure races and things like that, which are, 
you know, long distances, three, 400 miles, multidiscipline, stuff like that. So, um, you know, I like to mix it up a little bit. I, I like a little bit of, of diversity. I, you know, I like to say that I don't like, you know, necessarily going back to the same race all the time, even though I have with Badwater, but I like to kind of mix it up just a little bit athletically. Yeah. Well, and it's probably probably helps with the, your longevity, you know, just being able to you've been in it for a long time and uh, just doing other things helps you from keeps you from getting injured. <laughs> you know, it, it really does, um, because you've got these other disciplines. And, you know, of course, I do a little bit of mountaineering. So, you know, just slogging up a mountain at a slower pace and things like that. I think, uh, you know, it keeps your your body fresh. I think it keeps your mind fresh. It, 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 I think what I found more than anything, it's kind of slowed me down a little bit, like the adventure racing and stuff like that, because I'm not able to focus just on running, but that's okay. I, I don't mind that at all. So you were doing these adventure races, uh, kind of in the, in the middle of, of all of your, um, you know, doing the hundreds and, and other, uh, ultra marathons you were doing kind of interspersed throughout there. Yeah, that's really true. Uh, I started doing the Eco Challenge races, which, you know, if some of your viewers don't know what that is, those were televised on Discovery Channel, USA Channel. Uh, those are Mark Burnett. That's Mark Burnett's creation, who is the survivor guy, the, uh, you know, apprentice guy. Uh, you know, he was sort of the start of reality TV. And where he got his start was in, with the Eco Challenge in 1995. Those continued on um, for nine years all the way into like 2002, I believe it was. And the last one that we did was in Fiji. And I don't know if you know this, but we did one this year for the first time in 17 years. Mark Burnett is back. He's bringing it back. And you'll see it on Amazon Prime. It should be a 10-part series, and it'll probably air this spring or summer. And... I brought some of my old team members back. There was Adrian Crane and myself, who were the only two people who had done all of the Eco Challenge races. And so I brought him back on the team and Nancy Bristow and Bob Haw. And our average age was real close to like, I think it was over 65, almost 66 years old. So that was kind of our, our hook. And nice. I, I think we'll get some TV time, too. So I, 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 I yeah, hope the so. old guy team. Yeah. Didn't, didn't you call yourself the stray dogs or something like that? Stray dogs. Yeah. We've <laughs> been together since 1995. Yep. That's yep. cool. That's cool. How, how'd y'all do? I mean, I know you can't share too much, but how'd it go? Well, we can't because, uh, okay, you know, that's right. a blackout. So I, you know, can't to uh, say too much, uh, about how we did, but we had a lot of fun and, um, there were 66 teams from all over the world. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, I have to say, you know, we're, we're pretty tough old guys and women. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, looking forward to that. I, I, I certainly hope you guys get some airtime on that. Oh, we will. Good, good. So, so, um, you, you did all the, you've done all these races and then, um, then you had the opportunity to run across America and, um, you know, um, for those that, that haven't heard of your book, I mean, I, I, I read it and I, man, I learned, learned a bunch from it. I thought it was really interesting, uh, running on empty. Um, and there was even a, a documentary made, uh, running America, uh, you and, uh, Charlie Engel running across or, or 
running and attempting to run across um, the United States. So right. how did how did that um, you know come about, and how did you? I know you shared a little bit in the book about preparing for that challenge, but um, share a little bit about that experience, you know, from your point of view. So I had thought about doing that ever since probably 1991 or 1992, and I had a couple of kids and had a business and stuff like that, so I could really never find the time to do it. So <clears throat> it got to be, you know, I'm 57 years old and decide if I'm going to do it, you know, it's now or never. So I was 57 years old and the training was very intense. I would have weeks where I would do up to 200 miles because when I actually got out there, I was running about 410 to 420 miles a week, or I averaged uh, two marathons and a 10K a day for 52 days straight. Wow. Um, so anyhow, uh, you know, at the tender age of 57, uh, so I, I had wanted to do it you know, forever since, you know, I started running, it was in the back of my mind. And so I will say this, that by far, it is the most difficult thing that I've ever done. Mm -hmm. I like to tell people, um, um, climbing Mount Everest was probably the most technical. Running America was the most difficult. And I did a circumnavigation of Death Valley, where a buddy of mine and I uh, did this 425 mile circumnavigation where we buried caches and did it totally self-sufficient. That was the most dangerous, but by far, by far running across the United States, you know, having to get up every day and know that you were doing, you know, 58 to 62 miles per day, day after day, you know, it was a mental game as well as a physical game. Uh, but, um, you know, once again, you don't do it alone. You've got to have a good support crew. You've yeah. got to be very focused. You've got to expect that you're going to be injured. You, mm -hmm. you just and you somehow, you know, unless it's <laughs> it's something that's going to stop you dead in your tracks. You know, you've got to to learn to overcome some of those obstacles, such as even injuries. Wow. So, wow. yeah. So I've done I've done. A, a 200 miler before and that's a different even mindset from from a 100 miler and to think of you know and i was that was 73 hours but to go into it knowing that you're going to be out there for you know between 40 and 50 something days you know the mindset yeah i mean the mind preparation for that i know you're going through and i guess the physical preparation helped helped with your you know, get you mentally strong enough to do that, you know, because I, I saw the in the documentary and I saw the look in your eyes and I've been there before, you know, when you're into it and you're hurting and um, but you kept going back out the next day and continuing and moving on. Um, how did that uh, affect you and um, what did it I mean, positively and negatively, you know, going through all that? Well, I think one of the ways that I got through it was, you know, first of all, I'm kind of a stubborn person. And when I set my mind <laughs> to it, you know, you just you just go out and, you know, you put your head down and you do it. But even more than that, it got to the point where it was just bigger than I was, because just as you were saying, there's a film crew that was out there and they were making a documentary. So what kind of a documentary do you have if you don't finish? So, 
you know, I had to think about the film crew. It was way bigger than me. All the people that were out there supporting me and, you know, especially my wife, she was there day in and day out for the whole, uh, you know, uh, duration of of the run. So, you know, you and then there's people that are paying attention that are interested, possibly. Uh, and so you kind of you not only owe it to yourself, but you owe it to other people to finish. And honest to God, you know, when I got about a thousand miles into that thing, and it's just like climbing Everest. I mean, the reason that you make it to the top, or at least I do, or you finish running across America is because you don't want to have to go out and do it again, for Christ's sake. <laughs> and, you know, quite frankly, I would just think that over and over again. It's like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to make my stand right here and now. <laughs> We're going to get it done no matter what, because I don't want to have to come out here and drag all these people out here to support me, uh, you know, one more time. So, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, that, so it was a one, one and done on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, and that is the other thing, you know, like Everest or running across yeah. America, they said, people say, oh, you know, are you going to go back and do it again? And my, my reply is always like, not only no, hell no. <laughs> yeah. Why would I do that? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, the, the, the pressure, like you said, is bigger than you. You got the crew, you got your wife and, and that pressure can sometimes drive you, but that can also weigh on you too. I know, you know, and, and sometimes in races, if you've got, I don't know, it, it, it can weigh on you mentally more than just you thinking about that. And when you're, instead of just taking the next steps or moving forward. So it's kind of a balance there, I would think, you know? Yeah, yeah it totally is. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm sure, I don't know if you had crew out for your 200 miler or something like that, but there are a lot of people that are dedicating a lot of their time to making sure that you succeed. Yeah. So you do yeah. owe them something. And, you know, it's an acknowledgement of their hard work also and their dedication. Um, you know, so it, it always kind of bothers me when you read articles, you know, about running or it can be in some other venue, you know, even politicians or whatever. You think that they're out there you know, doing all this stuff by their, their, their selves and um, their success depends upon a lot of other people. And, you know, if there's some runner that is out there and they don't acknowledge other people who have helped them along the way, I think that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just so you know, when I did my 200, my wife was there. She was cool yeah. me and I, I don't know that I could have got it. I, I look forward to seeing her at the next aid stations and, you know, no, no doubt. Yeah. That, that was a driving factor. And, uh, so yeah. And, um, she's going to be helping me in some of my future ones too. So we'll, we'll be good. <laughs> Fantastic. So, so you did, um, even before uh, you ran, it was before you ran across America that you did the seven summits. Um, yes, that's correct. Yeah, okay. because I finished the seven summits somewhere around 2004 and I ran across America 2008. Okay. So, um, yeah, and once again, it was just trying to mix it up. I, when I was a little kid, five years old, I looked at black and white TV and was watching these mountain climbers. And then I learned about Everest and I thought to myself, 
you know, this was way back in 1956. I thought to myself, man, I'd love to feel what these guys are feeling, you know, the bite of the cold and they had frostbitten fingers and things like that. And I just thought, oh my God, this is just another world. I want to experience this. So, um, yeah, I kind of, you know, put that on hold for quite a number of years. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, watching my kids grow up and I didn't want to make sure that, you know, I, well, I wanted to make sure that I'd come back, that I had enough experience and, you know, I didn't want to, you know, orphan my kids or something like that. So, uh, you know, once again, it was, you know, it was more about me. And I will have to say this, you know, people who, you know, put their lives in jeopardy by going up on Everest and stuff like that. There's an element of selfishness to that. Mm. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit it. You know, you're thinking about yourself when you go up there and you should be thinking about, you know, the other people, which I was. But if I was really, really had them in mind, I probably wouldn't have gone up. (laughs) Wow, that's that's brutally honest there. (laughs) But but I guess if it keeps you, you know, um, if you're smart, you know, I mean, while you're up there, you know, uh, if you're thinking about your family, you might not take as many chances, you know, and and. because there, I mean, you probably saw some of the people that took chances that are still up there and won't come down, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's true. When I was up there, I climbed from the North side. There were eight that died that year and I stepped over some of the bodies. So, you know, and you're absolutely right. I think having the maturity, having done all of these ultras before, having done the adventure races where I had the experience with, uh, you know, in the mountains of New Zealand or Patagonia or whatever. Um, I actually felt pretty comfortable on Everest, mm-hmm. but I will have to say this when I got up to the top and spent about 20 to 30 minutes on the top, it started feeling really creepy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just want to go down because most people die on the way down. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, you just have to be very mindful, and I'm glad that I waited until I believe I was 52 years old to do that because I like to think that I had the maturity if something would have been, you know, starting to go haywire that I pulled the plug on it. And I I still think I would have, um, but I didn't have to. And I felt even when I was at the top, I was well within my capabilities and uh even though the weather was really bad and stuff i still felt comfortable yeah yeah one of the things i i'm just putting myself in your shoes after you do something like like everest you know and having done a bunch of those things um i don't know are you, you did you ever i mean just feel like you can do anything i mean after i did a, a um you know after i did my 200 miler i went and did a, out in Westcliff on the rainbow trail tried to do a 100 miler and end up dnfing you know probably because i went in a little confident you know a little overconfident thinking you know hey i just did a 200 i can go and you know do this and i don't know is that is that something you ever struggled with maybe not not you know, after you've done some of these big things, not preparing as you should or thinking you can just kind of muscle through it or I don't know. Um, yeah, <laughs> Okay. probably more than I should have. And sometimes I got away with it and sometimes I didn't. Yeah. Um, the when we did Dave Heckman and I, when we did the circumnavigation around Death Valley, which we were out there 16 days, um, 
yeah, I there in my new book, I I actually talk about it uh, in one of the chapters. But I, you know, I almost died out there, and it was dehydration, kind of got caught with our pants down, although we shouldn't have. But um, yeah, I don't know if I was overconfident. I I I think you know things happen, and you really have to pay attention to those. But um, you know, I think when I was younger, I might have been a little bit cockier, like I'd go out to Badwater and I felt like I was going to win the race. And I, you know, I did. I won it four times. Yeah. yeah. So I felt, you know, I could go out and I felt confident going out, leading the race and staying in the front and, you know, eventually winning it. But, um, you know, I think as you grow older, you... You understand how uh, vulnerable, you know, the sport is and you are. And a lot of it has to do with uh, your mental proudness as well as your physical. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, people just really have to pay attention to that. And, you know, thank goodness, you know, I've grown a little bit uh, older over the years. And, and now I can just kind of relax and not think that I have to go out and just beat my brains out. and. Yeah. You know, you had mentioned also about longevity and throughout my running career, there's always been a couple of months. It's usually November, December, December, January, where I won't I won't run a, a lick. I, yeah, I just sure. I just take it off rest. And I think it helps me mentally because when I come back, I'm hungry again. I want to oh, get sure. into it. Now, have you, um, I, I know, uh, if I remember correctly, when you were running across America, you, you, you got some injuries along the way and, but over the course of, of your, your running career, have you had any like major injuries where you were out for some time? Yeah, not, not really. I've really, really been blessed with, you know, some good genetics and, uh, you know, I think I've, my wife and I figured out that I've, I've run just a bit over a hundred thousand miles and my oh, knees, wow. knees, I did have a knee surgery, but, uh, it was a meniscus and that was probably 20 years ago. The cartilage is really good in my knees. I've had the MRIs and stuff. And, you know, some of the doctors, doctors just say, whatever you're doing, I mean, it doesn't <laughs> seem to be hurting you. So, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. And some of them don't really realize what I do. Um, <laughs> So, you know, it's it's worked out. I've really never had any major injuries except that plantar fasciitis that I got developed uh, when I was running across America. Uh, plus, then I had uh, a tendon tear on, tear on the outside of that same foot. Mm -hmm. And it probably, you know, it knocked, knocked me for a loop for a good year. And it took me at least two years to recover mentally and physically from running across the United States. And um, I can't say as I've had the intensity uh, before or after, you know, I've done the run across, uh, across America. I, I just don't have that intensity that I used to. And, you know, it was kind of my swan song, if you will. <clears throat> Yeah. How, how, what was your uh, recovery like, though, mentally and physically after you ran across America? What 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 did you feel, you know, in your body and, and in your mind? I, I think if I remember right, your you and your wife said that there were even some cognitive things you had to deal with after that. Yeah, it's uh, the sleep deprivation. And I think some of the sleep deprivation comes from, you know, doing mountaineering. It's 
It's very high altitude, kills blood brain cells. Sleep deprivation, like when we would do these adventure races, it's go as you please, uh, anywhere from six to 12 days. And so you're sleeping an hour or two per night. Um, when I was running across America, my average sleeping time was four hours in the night, and I'd usually uh, sleep maybe 30 minutes to 45 minutes during the day. So, you know, very limited sleep. And so it takes a, a while to come back from from that to, to recover. And I'm not even sure if, if you fully do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that I'm as sharp as I used to be. Uh, you know, I'm more forgetful. I can't focus as well. Uh, so I think, you know, there's a fair amount of of damage that has taken place. But, uh, you know, hey, uh, what else can I say? I mean, you know, maybe it wasn't maybe I'm not the brightest bulb in the world that, you know, to have gone out and done what I've done all over the years. But uh, anyhow. Well, well, on, on that note, would you have would you have done anything differently? I mean, would you have changed any of it? Wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> a really good question. Um, yeah, I, I think the only thing is I would I, I feel like I should have paid more attention to my family. And, you know, I'd get that sort of single minded focus when I was running and I was very, you know, I, I've got to go out in the morning and I've got to run for two hours or whatever it is. And so, and that's what it takes. And, you know, the sacrifices we make, maybe, uh, you know, the people who are supporting us are our children, our wives and things like that. You know, they're making sacrifices too. So I think I, I would have liked to have paid more attention to what was going on on that end. Um, and, you know, I think they were suffering too probably even more so mentally than than I was doing the running. Wow. Wow. Well, with with um, the sport, the way it's I mean, ultra running, you, you know, back even when I started, this was, uh, you know, less than 10 years ago. There there were there were more hundred milers coming up, but it was uh, a lot more than six, like you said. But um, I mean, the sport has really grown. And what um, I mean, I'm enjoying it because I get to there's a lot more for that I get to choose from and run and I get to see a lot of my friends doing these things there. But from from your perspective, you know, have you seen uh, any uh, what are the positive things you see about the sport growing and do you see anything that maybe concerns you about it? Yeah, there's there's always good and bad with everything. Um You know, when I started, I, th- I think there were four or five thousand, maybe three thousand ultra runners in the United States. And I don't know how many there are, maybe 50,000, maybe more. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know what the statistics are. There's many, many, many more races. So with that, you, um, you know, and, and when I started, a lot of guys thought, oh, you know, it was, it, it, it went beyond a niche sport. And I, you know, they, some people called us kind of freakish and stuff like that. And some guys kind of took pride in that. And I actually took offense to it. I thought, you know, we should all, you know, this, this is something that is not out of the ordinary. It is, it is not crazy to go out and run a hundred miles. Our, our bodies were basically built to do that. You know, we're hunters and gatherers and stuff like that. So I wanted to kind of dignify the sport. Uh, 
Hmm. And I think there's a certain amount of that that has happened, but you get, you know, guys that are out there and they're puffing their chests up and, you know, out and they're, they're, you know, trying to go faster and stuff like that, which is great. I mean, you know, it's sort of an evolution of the sport. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, I think what I said about dignifying the sport, I, I think it is, you know, it's kind of cool that our human bodies are, are made to run distances like that and that yeah. we're able to do that. And I don't look at it as anything terribly extraordinary. So, yeah, the only complaint I would have is when people do, you know, just brag it up and think that they're doing something extraordinary. You know, I just don't think it's that extraordinary. I think, you know, it should be more mainstream, even even more so where take for instance a hundred kilometer uh you know that's sort of a universal distance uh, you know european standards whatever uh where i would like to see it as an, an olympic sport that'd be uh, great but you know how many people are going to watch that it's like watching <laughs> paint dry yeah. although some of these guys are extremely fast yeah um but i think it's nice that there are more people uh participating in it thinking that they can do it because they can i you know that's that's a very very positive thing um and there are more women in the sport yeah boy i can remember where the race director would have me go out and beg women to come out and do it (laughs) and there's a couple of times where there was just one or two women in the race and that was it now you have you know, a dozen, two dozen women that are out there running and, um, you know, half marathons, 60% of the field is women now. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's, I think that's a huge step forward. I, I, I like that very much that that is happening. I, I like what you said about, um, I, you know, when people hear, you know, what we do and they're like, oh, I could never do that. I hear that all the time. And and I'm always like, yeah, you can. I always yes, right. you can. Right. You have to put in the work, but you're you're capable of doing it. Um, you just have to want it, you know? Yep. It's a desire thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about uh, the, the 200s coming out, man? What, I mean, what do you think about the growth of, of that? Yeah, it's it's actually it's actually surprising to me. Um, I think I think it's great. Yeah. Um, you know, I never really thought like 200 miles wasn't sort of uh, a standard for a race at all. The 100 miler was the 100K was um, 24 hour was. And now all of a sudden you have a 200 miler. Um, you know what we, we would think of longer distances we would think of multi-day stuff like uh 48 hours or six day races but now you've got 200 milers so you know as as long as it gets people out there doing it i think it's great um you know and even look beyond that yeah. you know it doesn't you don't have to limit yourself to a, a 200 miler you know you yeah. just go a whole lot slower at least i do Yes. Yeah. Same, same, same. Well, there's like, what's crazy is, uh, with the growth of, you know, for Candace's 200 milers, uh, I think two of the three have already sold out and there's like 50 something of us doing the triple crown this year. And then there's the California untamed 330 miler that just came out. So it's, it's kind of neat that there are a lot of options out there, but it's, um, 
you know, just keep pushing the envelope. It's, it's interesting to see how far it'll go, you know? Right. Yeah. When, um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but back, I guess it was 91, 92 and 93, I had uh, a race that I actually ran and, you know, I, I brought some great people out to run in it. Uh, Ray Clark, who was the hundred miler uh, record holder, he ran in it. Helen Klein, you know, who is still alive, in, incidentally, and I think she's in her mid-90s now. Wow. But I brought her out, and I think she was 70-some years old, and she was running 100 kilometers a day across Colorado. It was a 500-kilometer race. Um that's I had awesome. Don Don Choi, who was, uh, you know, the uh, considered one of the fathers of ultra running. So, you know, I had a great race field and it was 500 kilometers even back then. And so, you know, there were there were some of us that were thinking these longer distances all along. Sir Tim Nori, you know, in in New York was, you know, yeah. Yeah. six day races were were very common way back into the turn of the century, mm. you know, uh, the Bunyan Derbies, you know, running across the, the United States. And um, so, you know, this isn't a new thing, but I'm glad to see that there is uh, a renewed interest in the longer distances. Yeah. yeah. It, it, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if more of um, just our, our country in general, more people would just get active and start, do you know, because, you know, there's an obesity epidemic. And, um, you know, I, I think people people like you who have inspired people and just others, it'd be nice to just, just get more people doing stuff, enjoying this beautiful creation we have, you know. Yeah, yeah. no, a- absolutely. So, um yeah, and I, I know we, you know, you were going to bring the subject up, and you know, that's that's a good way to introduce like my new book. It's called Both Feet on the Ground, and mm-hmm. it has it has just come out. It's on Amazon. It will actually be out the audio version within a few days, also, so you can get it in any form, book, Kindle, um, audio, and it's out there. It's Both Feet on the Ground, and that's exactly what it's doing. It's trying to inspire people to overcome fears. Like there's a lot of people who fear getting out into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. So overcoming those fears of, you know, not wanting to to get out into the outside, um, you know, to do more, you know, to explore the world uh, outside of, you know, ringing and dinging and gadgets and smartphones and stuff like that. So, you know, you're 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 preaching to the choir here (laughs) (laughs) nice well i i grew up in southern louisiana out in the country in the cane fields and and you grew up in in a i guess a country boy in colorado huh yeah i can't i can't imagine just not you know not enjoying you know where we are and hopefully uh we you know get people to get out there and and read your book listen to your book and uh and get inspired on that man yeah well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's good. And I tell a lot of stories that I didn't in my first book. So, you know, I um, I, I break it down into air, earth, water, you know, all the elements. Um, hmm. And of course, uh, you know, fire is is the desert. So I talk about Death Valley. <laughs> yeah. um, air is, you know, I talk about uh, being up on Everest and stuff like that. So I give examples Um tell a few stories where I didn't, you know, people were, were saying, you know, tell, tell us about some of the other things that you've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my first book 
talk primarily about running across the United States and, you know, the trial, um, some of the things that happened that uh, drove me to running and, you know, the loss of my wife and things like that. So, yeah, this is entirely different. It's, it's about making people whole by getting outside. Nice. Nice. On that, on that note, I just wanted to tell you uh, in, in your book, uh, in your first book, uh, Thank you for being just transparent, you know, and being honest with 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 who you were. I don't know. It spoke it spoke to me. I was, you know, uh, and I think it spoke to a lot of people who, you know, we live life. We go through life and, you know, we rerun and we do this thing. But it's it's something we do while we're living life. And and some sometimes it's an escape. Sometimes it's an excuse. Sometimes we we need it and cling to it. And anyway, just somebody you know, for you to, to share all that. And that's not easy to put it all out there. Um but I appreciated it very much. And, uh, I look forward to like, it looks like we're like-minded with, uh, with your next book. So I'll be, I'll be listening and <laughs> while I'm running along and, uh, and checking it out. So, well, uh, fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, you always run the danger when you're, you know, I tried to be as transparent as, as possible. And so what happens is you talk about, yourself, you know, people like to talk about themselves in a positive manner. And there are some things that are not positive about all of us. And that had to come out also. And, um, you know, I got criticized by a few people, Uh, you know, they came up and hammered on me, you know, you you know, your wife was sick, and, you know, you'd go out and run and you'd leave her. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I did. And, you know, I that's the only way I could deal with it. So, you know, I, I, I just think you have to be totally transparent when it comes to, uh, if you, if you're in the public eye at all. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. So, so you, you, you got this book coming out, you've, you're about to do the 30th, uh, crossing now, every time you've, you've, you've done a bad water, uh, have you done Mount Whitley, Mount Whitney every time? Yes. Okay, you, I, I thought I thought so. So, what's yeah. your what's your plan uh, this time? You're going out there with the crew because you have didn't you do the quad self supported at one time? No, I did a self supported uh, carrying okay. everything, and then I did a quad, and okay. I had you know a major crew out there that uh, okay. you know came out in a couple of shifts. It took me ten days to do that. Okay, uh, five hundred some miles or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, this year it's it's gonna be be more of uh, it's kind of my celebration for for other people to participate in also. So I'll probably invite a bunch of people out there who have okay. supported me over the years, and uh, they'll there will be probably eight to ten people with whatever fits within the park services parameters. There's been two or three people who have said, I want to go out there and, you know, can you take me across and stuff like that? So they'll have an opportunity to do that. And so it'll be a celebration for them also. It's just a celebration of life. Nice. nice. <laughs> More of a pil- pilgrimage, if you will. Yeah. Do you have a date set for that yet? Yeah, I think we're going to start the first of July. Um, okay. I always try and incorporate something right around my birthday, which is I usually in the past have done something out there like the quad or whatever in my birthday has sort of elapsed, you know, during, uh, those, those crossings or whatever. And so I hope to finish on July 4th because that that'll be my, uh, 69th birthday. 
Nice, nice. nice. Well, we, uh, hopefully you'll you'll be um, you know you'll have folks putting um, doing some some live social media things out there and and posting pictures so we can follow along because I know I know we wanna we wanna watch you know and and just be a part of that from afar. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Um, as long as somebody else takes on the task, I'm, yeah. I'm not great <laughs> at social media, but uh, you know I'll. I'll give it a good try. And, you know, at the very least, I'll have a tracker out there because, uh, you know, I want to make sure everybody knows that I'm 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 keeping myself honest, if you will. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll we'll try and we'll try and get it up and on and, and uh, you know, do some things on Facebook as well as uh, um, Instagram. I even have to think about these. What is it? Is it Instagram? Is it tweeting? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm an IT guy and uh, sometimes I have trouble keeping oh, up. Oh, wow. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. So, um, so, uh, Marshall, before we, before we get off, um, I, you know, I always ask all of the guests, I kind of like to, 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 to find out what equipment they're using because, uh, you know, people always ask me what I'm using and, and what kind of um, um, shoes I'm wearing. And, you know, it goes through the gamut. But I know yours has probably changed over the years. But when you cross Death Valley, uh, again, what kind of shoes are you going to be wearing? <laughs> oh, so, um, yeah, I'm, you know, there's, there's <laughs> things have come and things have have uh, gone so yeah. you know you've had two or three insurgents and and they've come and gone of barefoot running so you know barefoot running is great as long as you do it on grass and you know for strengthening or whatever but uh you know the minimalistic shoes and things like that i ran in in those and i had told you that i had a knee operation well it was because of minimalistic shoes so mm-hmm. you really have to you know, pay attention to that. So, you know, there's, there's Hoka's that, uh, you know, I was sponsored by them for some time and now there's the ultras. And so now mm-hmm. currently I'm running in ultras, you know, something that has a little more cushion where it's a little bit easier. It's like, you know, springs on your car. Would you be driving around without springs and, right. you know, right. shock absorbers and things like that? So, you know, I, th- I think they're, they're getting it narrowed down and people are, uh, becoming more receptive to, you know, the the funny shaped toe that actually follows the curve of the foot, you know, as it should. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, having said that, I think a person just has to, it's, it, you know, with shoes, just going with what works for you. As far as diet, the same thing, what works mm-hmm. for you? Yeah. Um, the longer the distance, you're probably going to have to tweak that a little bit. Um, so, you know, I'm not exactly, uh, you know, I don't subscribe to just saying no. You know, I think, you know, eating vegetarian is very healthy. I think eating vegan is is great as long as it works down the road for you. I think yeah. with the longer distances for me, I've got to incorporate different things in my diet than just, you know, being so strict. Yeah. So, but um, anyhow... So, you know, back to the equipment and stuff, it hasn't really changed that much. Uh, but, you know, I think getting a good shoe that has good cushioning, you know, it's at least helped me, I think, uh, prolong my longevity on the road. I, I'm, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Ultra, too. I'm on the the, the Ultra Red team. And yep. Um, yep. Uh, my, my buddy who's running it, I think he he wore the duo 
yeah. and that that was his um his his jam and it worked really good for him so um yeah and i'll be wearing those for you know the olympus i think for the uh 200s because sure. a lot of a lot of cushion and and all that yeah. yeah so what do you do i know uh especially for bad water you you don't want to wear too much on you do you just do, do you normally carry handhelds um uh, yeah. for for water for hydration okay yeah because you don't yeah. you probably don't want any kind of pack on you or anything like that no uh, so you know loose fitting clothing and you know as you were saying i mean when i first started doing that i was wearing like these tight you know shorts and things like that and uh you know finally i put a pair of like pants that would sort of bellow out just a little bit and that were loose fitting and it reduced the radiant heat that came up from the pavement by probably 20 30 degrees and i'm you know i've been running bad water for five or six years and all of a sudden i've got this revelation and um, <laughs> so anyhow it's um yeah i think um you know some of the things that have come along i you know i don't know if they're good or bad i think there has been more sophistication with, uh, you know, the training and, you know, more, it's getting more and more to be more and more specific. I, th- I think that's a good thing, as I was saying, yeah. where, you know, you do speed work, you do hills, you do, you know, make sure and rest, you do this, you do that. And so it's, you know, much more specific. So, yeah. <laughs> well, um, and uh, what do you... What are you wearing as far as a GPS watch? Do you do you track all your miles or anything like that? Are you are you a Strava guy? <laughs> I uh, have a just a hand type, you know. <laughs> okay, old school. Really, that's it. No, I, you know, it's uh, occasionally I'll listen to music or something like that, like when I was running across the United States. But no, I just have a, a regular watch that you know has his hands to tell time. And, uh, other than that, you know, I've always felt like I've been pretty in tune to what's happening with my body. If I'm pushing myself too hard or not hard enough or, and so on. So, um, you know, and at my age and stuff, it's not like I'm, you know, out there to break any records. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, I just don't use a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I, f- I find, um, and, and, and you might be the same, you know, some, sometimes I'll, I'll use music a little bit, but I, I'd rather start and, and just be without it and just be there, be in the moment. And, um, yeah, yep. yeah if I need to dig myself out of a hole, maybe I'll put some jam on or something, you know, sure. or, a, or a book. Well, yep. Well, um, for, for all the people who, who are, who are listening, Marshall, if, if there's, um, you know, a, a big piece of advice you can give to somebody who's thinking about, running an ultra maybe maybe training for their first hundred uh what's what's the word of encouragement you would give them before we get off here oh i you know i guess it's kind of like you were saying i I believe that you can do more than you think you can because Mm. you can uh don't talk yourself out of something uh just if there's something that that you have targeted, you know, go through with it, get to the starting line. And, you know, when the starting gun 
goes off, things get a whole lot better. Sometimes they get worse, but then, <laughs> you know, eventually they get a whole lot better. So, you know, don't think that, don't talk yourself out of anything. You know, you can do it. There's no question in my mind. Amen. Amen. Well, I appreciate it, man. And hey, you, you've been a, uh, someone that I've looked up to in the sport and, uh, it's been really good just, just talking to you and, uh, getting to hear, hear more of, uh, of your story and the way you do what you do. And, um, I'll be looking forward to the book and I hope to see you. I've got some races coming up in, in Colorado to prep for my future races. So I'm, I'm hoping to see you at some of these, maybe getting ready for bad water. So that'd be great. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Okay. Nate. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I hope you don't think I'm too much of a dork because I was kind of fanboying while we were talking. Uh, but I really enjoyed the conversation. Great guy. Uh, real quick, before you get off of uh, the podcast, I, w- I would like for you to uh, to go and check out the website at www.runtheriot.run. Again, www.runtheriot.run. And if you scroll down and you click on uh, the link here for uh, Marshall Ulrich's podcast, there'll be uh, uh, links in there to um to both of his books they're affiliate links uh if you if you're gonna buy the book anyway man click on my link uh it just adds a little bit of revenue for the podcast to help uh pay for hosting and some of those things um but above all check it out and look uh, i have links to his website there uh there's also an audible uh link if you want to try out audible i use it all the time i listen to a lot of podcasts and books <laughs> when i run and so i do that through uh, the books through audible and um you can check out his um his book running on empty it's now in audible format and his new book will be in audible format shortly so check that out guys i hope you're having a great week oh by the way i did not post a midweek motivation this week uh it was a crazy week and i have no excuse except that um i don't know have no excuse but there will be one there next week so my apologies for that and uh man i hope you're having a great week i hope you have uh, just a good weekend and uh that you have a very very productive and amazing week this week. Take care. Talk to you soon. 